polarizing nature. <laughs> Sorry, I glitched it. Oh, so we're not talking about the greats. We're just talking about what's popular now. Huh? Yeah. We're whores yeah. with the limelights. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying wow. to stay relevant for me. This is a podcast. So now that succession is done, you're basically uh, you're trying to get that content. Yeah, I'm whoring it out for the content <laughs> machine, man. Look, let's establish once again that there is a huge comet headed towards Earth. And the reason we know that there is a comet is because we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes, using a telescope. I mean, for God's sakes, we took a fucking picture of it. What other proof do we need? And if we can't all agree at the bare minimum that a giant comet the size of Mount Everest hurling its way towards planet Earth is not a fucking good thing, then what the hell happened to us? Welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. Our first episode of 2022. I'm convening the Pussy Potty. <sighs> and we're going to talk about one of our most famous members. That's right. We are talking about one of the greatest movie stars of his generation, Leonardo DiCaprio. One of my guests just looked at me, not knowing. How are you on this episode? And you don't know what the Pussy Potty is. You have to go research the Pussy Potty, man. Anyway, later, we're going to give our three best Leo performances that should have won him an Oscar. And I hope you stick around for that. But first of all, we're going to talk about his latest film, the Adam McKay Netflix film, Don't Look Up. And joining me today, they're not leaving. They're not fucking leaving! It's James and Fami. How's everyone doing? The big bad motherfucker is back. <laughs> okay. What a way to start the year. Okay, sure. Why not? Back to why do best, man. How's it going? It's good. It's good. You know, everyone I know thriving. Triumphant return after your yeah. incredible another round episode, <laughs> yeah. where we were not sober, but that's that's yeah. Before we're talking about you know alcohol, now we're talking about family being a climate change scenario. So <laughs> <laughs> this movie was tough on him. It was like it's going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> <I reckon. laughs> family, how's how's Magaland? Nah, man, I'm deep in New York City. I'm away from, <laughs> from all that mother shit. How's how's Cuomo land? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we even go into talking about this movie, because I, I know we have a lot of thoughts about this movie, just a quick admin. Obviously, this is our first episode back in 2022. And first of all, I just want to thank everyone for like, we did a year of podcast podcasting. Guys, listen to our voices for yeah, a year. Yeah, thank you to all our listeners, all for our guests. All our, like, that makes no sense. Thank you for that. So, over the next couple of months, up to the, the Oscars, we are going to be covering some of our favorite movies of the year, or some of the movies that it's have movie been... season, baby. No more fucking TV yeah, shows, Yeah, essentially it's movie season, yeah. Well, <laughs> now movie the, season, now the movie real star season, director season. This is when Obira comes alive. By the way, did you see the Golden Globe nomination the other day? Let's, let's not. Let's, <laughs> no, winners, actually, not even nominations. The winners. Oh, oh yeah, winners. I was like, what? Um, what was it today? Let me tell you something. If you want to win an Oscar, you need to you need to do a biopic. That's what I'll say. Okay, actually, you know, um, there's there's a person that we both read and listen to, and I can say his name here because it's not really a plug because he's a conglomerate. But uh, Bill Simmons has this idea that they should basically divide it to best actor or actress playing a 
real life portrayal mm-hmm. and best actor and actress in a non real life portrayal. Like basically how you have adapted screenplay and original screenplay. Because like yeah, if you do a biopic, you're if you do a good biopic, obviously you you're like ninety percent gonna get nominated. It's really weighted in favor of the the biopic. But anyway, like we said, it's movie season. I'm gonna talk about some movies, but what we're gonna try to do is have spoiler free discussions on these movies so that if you've not watched them, you can still decide whether you want to watch them, listen to our thoughts, but then you you don't get spoiled. We don't tell you the big thing that happens in Licorice Pizza or whatever. So, that being said, this is a really good movie here. Like, at the time of recording, OBR is like 20 movies behind on his on his 30 list. movies, you mean. <laughs> um, it's a really good movie here. There are so many movies that we're going to watch and enjoy that we won't get to talk about on the podcast. So, like, we don't talk about a movie, don't feel like we didn't enjoy it. It's just, well, there are only so many podcast episodes somebody can record in a month. So, we hope to talk about as many movies as we've, we've enjoyed and hopefully you guys can get to watch them as well. And that being said, let's talk about one of the most divisive and most watched Polarizing. movies this movie year. Don't look up. I'm going to start with Fami because for for reasons. Fami, what are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this film? What are your thoughts on... Actually, let's just say Don't Look Up was... Or rather, Don't Look Up is a movie directed by Adam McKay, co-written by him as well, starring... <sighs> Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry, Mark Rylance, Ron Perlman, Timothy Chalamet, Rob Morgan, Melody Liskey. Oh, okay. And I think, I think for both of us, actually, it was our most absurd movie of the fall. Yeah. Yeah. So, Fami, what are your thoughts on this film? Um, so, I was late to the Adam McKay game. Uh, what kind of soul be to him was the big short. And... I don't know why, but I was just, I spent the entire movie just trying to draw comparisons between the two. And I've only watched it one time. I haven't watched it a second time. I, I think eventually I'll get back to it, but I still don't fully know how I feel about it. Like, I think that there, it was a good movie in the terms that there were like good performances and like, you know, good, you know, directing, cinematography, all of that. But I just came out of the movie feeling like, I don't know, not rob- robbed is the wrong word, but like I wanted more, but I don't know what that more was. So it's kind of me feeling like I'm greedy because what it gave me was good and, you know, objectively made sense, but I just wanted more and expected more, but I feel like I, I don't deserve to ask for more. If that no, 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 no. You absolutely do deserve to ask for more. Okay, here we go. This is why I come in. I thought the movie <laughs> was a big, hot mess. <laughs> and the thing about it is like, if you have enough talent around you, you can still make something work. It's like United on a soul shot. Oh my god. It's like you have enough talent. You know, the manager is ten minutes in. The <laughs> tactics are, are a bit shit. At the same end of the day you could still win, but like I thought this movie was didn't know what it was trying to be. We didn't know if it was trying to be, you know, satire or if it was going to be sentimental. And it was sort of game back and forth. Pacing was a bit weird. Um Timothy Shalom, I don't know what he was doing in that movie, to be fair. What? I didn't understand that I plot. <laughs> I, re- I don't know why I, re- I ran a grande as Scott Miss Kudia. No, no, wait, you've said two things. First of all, one, Charlemagne. I really liked Charlemagne in it, but I don't know. His plot did not need to be in I don't the know, movie. I don't know why he's in that movie. But then, Kid Cudi <laughs> and Ariana Grande, calm down. Those are some of the best parts of the film. I don't know why then. That that's I'm the pretty sure you can film. trim them out. I guess we'll get to the whole wider reactions from, you know, about this movie. I mean, especially from K as well. Actually, we'll get to it now because there's been a lot of reactions to. Am I going to get to say what I think about the movie? 
Absolutely no. This is this. I'm I'm doing what you do to me all the time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so okay, I go ahead. I, so the, rea- the reactions were like, if you think this movie is really bad, or what I'm getting from these reactions, especially from that and producers and directors, if you think this movie is bad, that means you hate climate change. And it's like I don't hate climate change. I just think your movie isn't good. Or from who? Who like whose reactions made you think? McKay is like, oh, he's getting all snarky about it, and you know, you need. It's like, it's like what J Cole fans say. You know, a certain level of intellect to listen to J Cole, right? That's what J Cole's fans. That's what he's basically saying about his movie. You guys need to be. If you guys don't like the movie, basically you're not smart enough, or you just don't get it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I get. Our planet is falling apart. I just think. I just don't think your movie is good. But I did enjoy some... I mean, the performances were, were fine. The performances were good. I enjoyed three in particular, I think. Um, can I come in now? Am Go I on. Now's your no. time. <laughs> okay. Um, this movie, or rather watching this movie and then engaging, or rather just finding out the discourse about the movie broke me. Okay. I'm so happy that we've never positioned ourselves as critics on this podcast. Or at least, I know we've never tried to do it. I hope nobody has interpreted it as that. Like, we've always just said, this is what we like, and this is where we like it. Because reading and listening to people's thoughts on this film, both online, like the the layman Twitter user and official critics or whatever, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't, I don't know film criticism because I don't, I agree with most of the things you're saying and I don't see it. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm so happy I never said I was a film. Like, it, it essentially broke me down. I was like, this is not, I did not get this from watching the movie. All I said, like, I liked the movie. Is it the best movie of the year? No. But Why did you like the movie? I was, I was entertained watching the movie. I understood the movie's point of view or rather the point it was trying to make. And I felt like he made it. Did he make it perfectly? No, that's why it's not... A, I don't think it's a, a great movie. I don't think it's a knockout. I, If anything, I think I, my feelings were more in line with Fami, where I was like, oh, I, I liked a lot of things in this movie, but you could have done things better. You could have probably... Like I said, I like Charlemagne's performance, but I think the movie is better without him being in the movie at all. I think if you remove the entire Charlemagne art... You lose time, which is a good thing, and then nothing. Gosh, I'm gonna be so nothing changes. Well. So like, I have problems with the movie, but not not to the sense where I thought it was a bad movie. Or I haven't even like I mean, I, don't, I don't even know what the like tomato score is or whatever. But like, I yeah, I enjoyed the movie because I thought it was entertaining. I thought I laughed at times. I thought he had it had his points we were trying to make, mm-hmm. and I generally agree with those points so i kind of agreed with the film i'm not saying that like if you don't agree if you don't like the film then you're a climate denier so there's something i'm doing watching all these movies this year where i'm writing down my initial thoughts when i watch the movies right obviously because when you go back and rewatch they're not a critic (laughs) (laughs) because you know when you go back and rewatch you might have you might have read reviews by then or listen to people and your thoughts might change or whatever so i'm writing down my initial thoughts when I, when I watched the movie, and one of my initial thoughts when I first watched "Don't Look Up" was Kate Blanchett. Well, yes, that. <laughs> but that's always my thought whenever I watch a Kate Blanchett film. 
So I was listening to some reviews and people were a lot of words that came out were things like condescending or Adam McKay was shouting at like people for not being for not caring about climate change or whatever. My words were literally like I've realized that I'm pro shouting. And I feel like it's a lot of I might be hedging my bets with what I'm saying now, but it's a lot of like Coward. if you're <laughs> if you're if you're if a director, right, and you're passionate about something, then go ahead and shout. I'm very pro shouting. If but like I mean, let's like shouting is fine. The big short is shouting, and that's a good movie, in my opinion. That's one of like my favorite movies ever. Shouting is fine. It's just if you're shouting nonsense. No, 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 shouting nonsense. I think. Shout, shouting is a form of art, like movie-wise, mm-hmm, making-wise. Mm-hmm. It's just, if you're not shouting right, it comes out as sort of, mo- sort of modelled and just not sort of getting your points. When you're getting your points across, you're just not, it's just not being um, done in a really artistic sorry can you define what shouting is just yeah can you define what shouting is for I don't know that's what I'm saying like I'm reading a lot of what the reviews are and shouting was kind of like well you're just trying to pummel the audience with your own thoughts or your own point of view and you don't care who again this is where I said it broke it broke me because I I couldn't really contextualize most of these reviews I I didn't understand what they were saying and like Mm -hmm. like for example a lot a word I've seen a lot is that the movie is, or Adam McKay via the movie is being condescending. And I just wish I could, like, have a direct communication with the critic. I'm like, can you explain to me what you mean? Not that you're wrong or I'm wrong, but I do not know what you mean. Like, what in the movie is condescending? How, like, do you know what I'm saying? For me, that is the problem. A lot of the reviews I've read, and I've read a lot of reviews in preparation for for this podcast, most bad some good, right? I think the independent give it like a four out of five stars or something. Um Kama gave it a good review as well. Did he? We're having this discussion. Sorry mm-hmm, to cut you off. Yeah. We're having this discussion about like what exactly makes a good movie. Um and I said and uh, what makes a good movie in my opinion is the plot of the movie. So the actual movie itself, the plot, the way the movie is made and sort of like the bigger picture of the movie, for example. And in this case, I guess it's climate change and awareness of climate change and stuff. And if a movie's um, able to do all three things right, they have something good on your hands there. And sometimes a movie can just do the, you know, the first, it doesn't really have to say anything about society or anything about, you know, history or anything. It could just be a good movie which has a plot and it's done well with good acting, good directing, good edits. That could be a good movie. But I think in my sort of like, parameters per se there has to be there should be you know the movie should say something there should be a bigger picture about that movie in it doesn't even have the context of society it can just be how did this movie you know change cinema did this do something differently that reminds me of something else i i gained from watching this movie is that mm-hmm. which is again why i said i'm not a film critic i realized that my barrier of entry for films is very low like so what does that mean i I'm more like just like, oh yeah, I like that movie. That's fine. Like I'm more critical for TV shows than I am for movies. Right. I think I'm. You're obviously. you're definitely the the inverse, hundred percent. Fami, Fami, just to bring you back in, what what do you think about the movie or TV show versus movies? 
no, just about what makes a good movie and like what sort of like the 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 polar polarizing polarizing um, polarizing nature. <laughs> Sorry, I glitched there. <laughs> leave, leave that. Leave that in. Leave that in. Leave that in. About the polarizing nature about this movie. Um, did I lost my train of thought? I think like I'm too used to listening to you guys talking on the podcast that like in my head I'm listening to the podcast. <laughs> like you're listening and I right now. Completely like... forgot that I should participate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So for me, like, what the what the the two big things when I think of a good movie is cinematography and performances. Mm. Like, I'm a stickler for like good camera work. I'm a stickler for uh, you know good scenes. I'm a sorry like settings like the mm-hmm. the stage that it's acted on. I'm a stickler for good performances, and I love nonverbal performances like the most more than verbal performances. Which is why Loki, I'm like, I might have liked like the silent era of movies, but I'm not watching that black and white shit. Watch silent movies? Um, Gosh. I, no, in my head, I would like oh, it, but oh. nah. Check out, there's this director called Lynn Ramsey. She's like Scottish. Oh, it's like this, this movie called You're Never Really Here with, um, what's that Phoenix guy? Whacking Phoenix. And that's literally, she's all like, show not tell. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, so those are like my big points. Um, or like the stuff I like when I watch the movie. I, I just feel like when I watch this movie, it was like, it wasn't bad. It was just mid. That was all. It was mm-hmm. a mid movie with a lot of big stars, mm-hmm. and it was. It almost had like an attitude of a too big to fail. Like in my head, it's kind of similar to how, like, you know, we were talking about this earlier. How biopics tend to get you nominated for mm-hmm. like an Oscar. Well, this wasn't a biopic, but it was like so star studded that you might as well call it like put it in the same category as like a biopic, where it's just like a big movie that's supposed to do well, make a lot of money, mm-hmm. win all the Oscars, but like it was a mid movie. So I think that's yeah. that's the thing. That actually goes back to what I was trying to say earlier, which is like, if a lot of the thoughts on this movie were that this movie is made, I wouldn't like feel the need to carry my cape and defend this movie. Because like, okay, yeah, it's made. And like I said, for me, if I enjoy a mid, like mid is it? Let's be honest, mid is a big range, right? Mid cannot can mid, can, big range, mid can yeah. go from five to yeah. a seven point five. Let's like like let's so even seven point five is I think seven point five is good. <laughs> yeah. Again, mid is also a very subjective thing where, like, yeah. it can be good mid, bad mid, mid mid. So, like, so for this movie, if you said this movie was mid, I'm like, yeah, okay. I probably won't watch it again after this Oscar season. I will right? watch it again. But my thing was that, but I enjoyed it in the moment and I got his point of view. So, for me, back to what I said earlier about having a low bar- lower barrier of entry, it's not a movie worthy of scorn. I did not think it was a movie worthy of the online discourse I was going. And I don't, I can't. Unfortunately, Twitter is not catalogued in a way that you can find out where the discourse started from. So I don't know what exactly triggered all of this. Um, well, do you not feel like, because like due to the subject matter, yeah. that it automatically has to be... So now, yeah, that goes back you to know, your third point about the movie. Criticized. So do you think, what do you think that it didn't deliver, it didn't make its point clear? I think it made its point. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a good movie. So, so you think, <laughs> based on your good movie criteria, you think it Ticks off number three. Yeah. And does it make its point in a way that is like Does sensible? it make its point well? That's a good question. I mean, that's subjective as well, isn't it? Because I feel yeah, like I'm some asking people, about you, to you. Some, some radicals would be like, you know, in order for us to literally know the point across to other people that, you know, climate change is happening, we literally have to hold them by the shoulders and shake them and literally shout it to their faces. Yeah. Some people might think like that. Which is like some pro-shouting. Which is why I said you're pro-shouting. Um, in my in my opinion, I think what Adam McKay was trying to, it was definitely trying to, you know, in a, uh, 
in how we're kind of saying is shout that climate change is happening mm-hmm. and we should all you know, we should all do something. And I think he definitely got his point across that climate change is coming. And I think that's what he was trying to do. So I guess that, you know, sort of fulfilled his objective. I don't know. I've never, I just don't understand. I don't understand the fury that the movie has attracted. And I've tried to read all as many reviews as I can. Like I said, a lot of the reviews are repeating the same words that are not really explaining what they mean. Like, look, I do not think this movie is a perfect movie. I don't think it's a great movie. Right. But it's a movie that I enjoyed quite a lot in some parts. And it's a movie that I just feel like <laughs> I'm really trying to understand why this movie is the one that is like attracting all the fury. Because like I just feel well, like I mean, it's not that bad. A lot movie. Had, like high expectations plus the yeah. topic matter as well, plus Leo. Yeah, but why is it and I, I don't know. Look, I have this half picked literally on the sports theory that it's like I don't know. I think his first two movies, or rather most especially Big Shot, the target of that or the villain of that was someone that everyone already agreed was the villain, which is Big Banks. And Wall Street, yeah. This, that movie came out, what, eight, eight, seven years after after the financial collapse and everything? That's a really good movie. So I don't know if maybe because this is coming out right now and it almost kind of paints us, as in everyone, are kind of like our social media apathy towards going on as kind of like being part of the problem. I don't know if that's people feeling a bit... Maybe that's where the whole condescending thing comes from. Yeah, I mean... Maybe we feel like he's shouting at them for There's another TikTok. thing about how he, how he paints politics as the enemy to climate change and scientists as so what are we saying that that's not true yeah. <laughs> i'm saying i'm saying that it's a bit more gray than that that yeah. it's both politics and scientists that you're saying that would help sorry what I'm, what i'm saying is that it's both politics and science that would you know there's good people on both sides yeah don't say yeah like that, that was a trap <laughs> and you fell for the trap <laughs> you know what i was trying to say is that they're both uh, you know what? I don't want to get all fucking, you know, climate change activists, right? Greta. What's her name? Greta. Thunberg. Thunberg, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, like, it'll, it's, it'll both be effort on both politics and science. Yeah, but that's that's the point, though, isn't it? No, no, no. It, this movie is painting politics as the as the main um, sort of obstacle. Yes, but, like, that first, that kind of first fake out in the movie. Fuck. We said no spoilers. But obviously, there's a point when things are going in one direction because people have kind of listened and then they, they take a swift change in another direction because people decide not to listen. And I think that's his point. I think the thesis of that, of the movie happens in the five minutes there where he's like, if you listen to the scientists and the science and politics and scientists can work together, this is the result we can get. But then if you let capitalism and greed and all that. Do you think that's what the movie was trying to tell us? Yeah, I, that was what I got from the movie. I mean, is that? I mean, family, I mean you am think? I wrong here? You know, obviously, you know the scene I'm talking about. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I know the scene you're talking about, and I get the point you're trying to make. But the more we have this conversation, the more I can see like the, the condescending tone that is being. Like, I mean, I haven't read a single review of this movie, but the, the condescending tone that you're talking about, because I, I mean, if if the line between politics and science is drawn, I am, you know well in the, the realm of science what? and if the line between left and right is drawn like sorry yeah between politics yeah. and science yeah. like how you said that you know yeah 
And then between like left and right, I'm well in the left. So as a left-leaning science believer, this movie makes sense. But if you don't fall into that category, automatically I can see it alienating you because it's kind of making fun of you in a way. Are we so are we so are we caring about the feelings of those people? No, but I mean, <laughs> shit, you know these white people. But again, the problem is that these say, reviews no, are coming from people I'm, that they say the first the first line in their review is, "Well, I'm not this climate change denier." I don't think I don't want to put it that it's people that don't like that don't believe in climate change that hate the movie because I think that's a bit too basic as as, as an explanation. I, I, I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that is making people like. It wasn't a good movie, man. That's just it. <laughs> we can talk in circles. We keep going back to this discussion about oh, climate change, this climate change, that. You can remove climate change from the movie. Or, I mean, you can't, but like, that's not why it was a bad movie. It just was a bad movie because well, it's a low mid movie. It's not a bad movie. And it just wasn't good, you know? I think, I think this is the first time I'm hearing one that the review consensus was that Don't Look Up wasn't good. And this is the first time I'm seeing someone in real life who didn't enjoy Don't Look Up. Like, at least four different people have recommended it to me. And I'm like, oh, I've already seen it. <laughs> like this really? is the first time seeing someone say, "Oh, this film was whack." It wasn't whack. It just low It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Wasn't good. Just wasn't good. Yeah, I sort of agree with fam. Were you guys expecting too much? Maybe. I mean, when once you hear the names attached to the movie, you think it's going to be, you know, fucking Godfather. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think, if anything, I think this our discussion on this episode just kind of shows the polarizing nature of, of the of the film. Exactly. And I think what Ibuka said is true, because a lot of people like this movie. This movie is now Netflix's second most watched movie of all time. Like So what did you like about the movie? Or who did you like in the movie? Banky saw Jennifer Lawrence and Timothy Chalamet kiss. Like that's enough <laughs> for him. <laughs> like as soon as I watched the film I was like, and to think Banky like few episodes ago said he didn't have a dream throttle. <laughs> 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 be my dream throttle. Anyway, um no, I think oh, I don't God. know. I don't know if I think I've said it in this episode, but like just on the record, like I I I like a lot of performances. I enjoyed watching the movie. Like I had a good time watching the movie, which is always my first thing watching a movie of like this. If I'm not watching a movie that if I'm not watching room as in Brie Larson's room. Oh my goodness. I want to have a good time. So if you can give me that, then you're already one foot in. And I, I thought some people were, I think Jonah Hill was playing it. Like, Jonah Hill was incredible. He, he called ISO like 10,000 times. Jonah Hill was like Kobe Bryant in his final game. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. Obiora didn't. Fami, Fami liked it, but then he's been bullied into thinking that it's not good by Jibs. No, it's not that. It's, it's just a mid-movie. That's it. And it's forgettable also, I think. By the time this is coming out, the whole world would have seen Don't Look Up. So, um, I don't know. If you guys have thoughts on the film, I've seen some thoughts on the film. You can message us. We all get our DMs at I am Jibs, So, send them all to them. <laughs> actually, uh, someone actually called me a cop the other day, which was not oh, nice. Jesus. They called me a coon, so... Uh, yeah. For what view? Don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a cock and a coon. So you're you're one c word left. One c word. Uh, left. Okay. Um, because Obiora is that c word, he's about to leave us, and then Ebuka will join us properly to talk about our three best Leo performances that should have won him an Oscar. Before before I go, I'm going to give my three best Leo performances. 
and they are they are okay well everyone come back after the break and we'll see if that aligns with the rest of our picks so um and now we're going to talk about our three favorite leo performances that in bracket should have won him an oscar because famously leo has only one oscar win he has six acting oscar nominations but it still feels like he has too little uh, and like when we go through it you you would see but yeah obviously leo won his oscar in 2015 for the revenant a movie i plan on never rewatching. um and when i planned this episode obia was going to be on the episode and because i know that we both actively do not agree with that um that oscar win has either of you watched the revenant fami ibuka yeah i've seen the revenant yeah i've seen it as well thoughts um i don't know like i, I think leo was good but who won the oscar that leo year? won it that year leo oh stupid question who else was nominated that year 2015 revenant so i don't actually know wow but he was he was always gonna win it that year because like it's a very makeup oscar okay so it's like oh okay now is the time let's finally give leo which is a thing that might happen with Will Smith this year, but luckily Will Smith is going to win it for a performance that he deserves to win it for. No, but do you think, I think like the Martian should have won it that revenue year though. I don't know. That's what he should have, that's who should have won it that year, my Damon. Yeah, my Damon should have won it for the Martian. I mean, look, there are people that love the Revenant and I don't want to take that from him. It's a, from them, it's a very good um, achievement in technical filmmaking. It's a good movie and it's, I just would never rewatch it. Um, Tom Hardy was also quite good in that movie. But, I am in that camp of people that feel like it was a makeup Oscar and I'm happy that Leo has an Oscar, but I feel like he should have won it years before. So what we're doing today is we're going to talk about our three favorite Leo performances that we think maybe he should have won the Oscar for. Um, so just quickly, a bit of context. Like I said, Leo has six acting Oscar nominations. What's Eating Gilbert Grape, The Aviator, Blood Diamond, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the Oscar goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. Now, we're going to start with Fami. And Fami will give us his... We'll go from three to one. You, you guys know how lists work. So Fami, what's your number three movie? Uh, so my number three movie on this list is... I can see how this number should be higher up in the list. But for the other two, there's just so much personal bias that I'm willing to accept the fact that I'm a fraud. Number three is... Wolf of Wall Street. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I okay. can see why that should be higher up on the list because I, Loki, I believe that that dude was on drugs for like quite an, <laughs> a lot of that movie. I've never seen anyone portray like, even in Train Spotting, in my opinion, it wasn't even that good. And Train Spotting is. Wolf of Wall Street is an incredible performance. It's an incredible performance. Yeah. Wait, wait. Are you saying like, are you guys saying Leo's portrayal of someone on drugs in. Wolf of Wall Street was good. Personally, yes. No, no, no. Like, I'm not saying it wasn't good, but I'm just saying, like, you were shocked by how good it was. That level of good. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are you getting to Okay, the only reason why... No, the reason why I'm asking this is because, like, there's another movie that, like, Leo does drugs better than Wolf of Wall Street. And it's interesting because this will come up again. And, like, sometimes in my ranking, I was like, 
he did this, but he's also done this but better somewhere. I get what you, I, I know. I know what you're talking about because I also did a yeah. quick binge of Leo last week. I get what you're talking about. In addition to Naomi and my two perfect kids, I own a mansion, private jet, six cars, three horses, two vacation homes, and a 170-foot yacht. I also gamble like a degenerate. I drink like a fish. I fuck hookers maybe five, six times a week. I have three different federal agencies looking to indict me. Oh yeah, and I love drugs. Yep, on a daily basis I consume enough drugs to sedate Manhattan, Long Island, and Queens for a month. Okay, Mr. Jordan. I take Quaaludes 10 to 15 times a day for my back pain, Adderall to stay focused. Xanax to take the edge off, pot to mellow me out, cocaine to wake me back up again, and morphine, well, because it's awesome. Morning, make them. Um, yeah, finally, talk about Wolf of Wall Street. Talk about Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Talk about um, performance. His, perf- it, it, it's, his performance is like, I can't see any chinks in that armor. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the movie where fucking, what's his name? Um, the, the guy who got nominated for the supporting actor, Jonah Hill, also put in like an amazing performance. Jonah Hill was, again, yeah. another. Another ISO performance, you know, he yeah. was just calling his shots. I take yeah. it. Out. It was it was outstanding. It's just a beautiful film. Like when I think about all the, the the things that make a good movie, you know, good cinematography, good acting, obviously a good plot. It was all there, and it was all all the different individual elements and themes combined in such a beautiful way that like I've watched that movie so many times, and I will still watch it like so many more times because yeah. it's, it's so good, so good. Can I talk about my Wolf of Wall Street? What number does it come in for you? It's not on my list. Okay, no. <laughs> so yeah, say what you're saying. Talk about Wolf. I'm joking. Talk about Wolf of Wall Street. How is it not no, on no, your no, list? That's... What the fuck? <laughs> what? How is it not on your list? I don't know, man. It's, it, it, it will lead to a bigger conversation that, like, we'll have. We'll have about it. Leo. We'll have it. But what? Let's table that. We're going to have that conversation. What's your number three, Ibuka? Oh, is, it, is that how it goes? Like, round robin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um shit, what is my number three? Round Robin, what does that mean? What's what is that? Like one by one. Is that a white is that a Scotland thing? No nigga, it's a <laughs> tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I just have never heard it before. Anyway, sorry, what's your number three? Okay, see, number three was really tough for me. It was between was eating Gilbert Grape and um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think I'm gonna give it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, that's surprising for me because I feel like you're once upon a time in Hollywood denier. I, no, I didn't love the film. Yeah, just think it's a good but film. like Leo was amazing in the film, like very amazing. Like everyone talks about the scene with the little girl, but I have so many scenes oh, from him yeah. that are just too strong for me not to put. What wins it for me over what's eating Gilbert Grape, which I might even say is a better performance, is just that he's an abled person playing a disabled person, and it's like, you know, there's some degree of. Okay, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. Yeah, and he he does it beautifully well, like scarily well, mm-hmm. that I even had to check if he'd had any experience with, you know, anyone on the spectrum or autistic. But yeah. And he was quite young then. It was like... Bro, like, I'm so sorry. That performance is amazing. I mean, it was his first, it was his first um, nomination. So yeah, but Once Upon a Time is my number two. Okay. And for most of this week leading up to this episode, it was my number one. It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. What are you talking about? What did that guy tell you? He told me the goddamn truth is what he told me. Whoa, whoa. Oh, hey. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Here, put these on. 
Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Now, what's got you so upset, man? Well, coming face to face with the failures that is your career ain't worth crying about, then I don't know what the fuck is. Right, that guy in there turned you down? He wants to help me get into Italian movies. Well, then what's the problem? I gotta do fucking Italian goddamn movies, that's a fucking problem! Come on. Fuck! Again, this is why I wish Obi-Wan was here, because we have my back. We both love that movie. And it's just an incredible performance. And obviously, Brad Pickle, The Shine, and all the Oscars, and all the awards, and that's fine. That was because Brad Pickle was also great in the movie, and again, it was his time to win an Oscar. But Leo is, like you said, he had, there's that scene with the girl, but it's also the breakdown scene in the trailer. That's that's what I'm saying. The scene on the plane, he's him just, and Brad Pitt. He's just so good in that movie. And it's, like, it's, it's so good. I love it so much because it's not... It's it's not like a it's not a showy role. Yeah. Brad Brad has the showy role in that. Like he's just acting like a washed up actor. And it's also him kind of like reflecting on his career in Hollywood through this character who is meant to be washed up. He's 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 just so good in this movie. And I like every time I watch it, I'm like, wow. Wow, wow. Like, yeah. You you've rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. That's a three-hour film, Bank. It's worth it. To be honest, I've only watched it twice. I've only I've watched it a third time. Okay. Which is, again, same thing with Wolf of Wall Street. And First of all, Scorsese needs to start making shorter movies. No, he doesn't. I love you. I love okay. you, Martin Scorsese. But now, like... now, now that we're on this point, can I just say, like, my ranking or, like, my discussion in this whole thing is compromised by the fact that I've never seen The Aviator. So leading up to this episode, I was like, hmm, okay, let me check out this movie. And then you saw the time. I hit play. Yep, and I was like, this is not happening. <laughs> um, I saw The Aviator. Aviator doesn't make my top three. I saw it this week, but it's also one of the things like, okay. it's really good. He's a, a re- and it, it was his first Oscar nom post, like, Gilbert. I think Gilbert Grip was 93, and Aviator was 2004, so we're talking about, like, 10, 11 years. Um, so, like, it was the first time the Academy was was recognizing him again. So, like, yeah, he's he's really good in, in, in Aviator. Sorry, is this also spoiler conversation or is it just Yeah, we'll spoil like we'll spoil right. guys, 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 please go watch what's eating Gilbert Grape. Like honestly, I would put that performance as number one, but I can't. So but I'm t- like Leo is really good. Yeah. Um yeah, what's point in time? Yeah, that's my number. That's number two. I can't believe look, this is gonna maybe this will make me lose my nerd credits or the streets will hate me, but I knew what happened. We all knew what was happening, but I can't believe he lost that Oscar to Joaquin Phoenix, man. Because is this for the Joker? Yeah, for the Joker. For Joker, I can't believe like because yeah, Joaquin did a lot in that, but like I just like this is the movie that Leo should win his second Oscar for. Like he was so good in Once Upon a Time with that. I just that's one of my. I hate that he lost that Oscar to Joaquin Phoenix. But Joaquin was really good. Yeah, though. he like, was. That's one that... But that's one that I can't I actually can't pick. I mean, to be fair, but, like I would pick Joaquin because. I don't know. I would pick Joaquin because he carried the film. Fair. I mean, also, to be fair, like, Joaquin had not won an Oscar at that point. But also, oh, yeah, for okay. me, I think what's point in time is a better movie than Joker. Okay. So I hated that fair. Joker was getting that, that thing. Anyway, fair. my number three, and God, I wish I could do this accent, is The Departed. 
I'm having panic attacks, all right? The other night I thought I was having a fucking heart attack. I puked in a trash barrel on the way over here. I haven't slept for fucking weeks. Is that true? Yeah, that's true, all right? I said something fucking true. I want some fucking pills, and you're gonna what? You're gonna you're gonna close my file? I didn't Is that what you're gonna your do? File. I, I know. I, I, know. I thought I was supposed to tell the truth here, you if are. only fucking I, you here. You are. Christ, yes, when a guy okay. comes in here against every, every instinct of, of privacy, of self-reliance that he has, and what do you do? What do you do, honey? You send him off on the street to score smack? Is that what you do? Billy cost. <laughs> Billy cost again, man. Oh my god. I think I randomly rewarded the departed maybe a couple of months ago. And Leo is like from the moment he has that scene with uh Martin Sheen and Mark Wahlberg, the first scene where they're like kind of raising him and they gave him the offer to go undercover. From that moment to the end of the film, this guy is at 11. He's so frantic throughout this movie. Like, he's on edge throughout this movie. I'm like, I felt so... Like, the, the scene with the three Vera Famiga's therapist, I felt so bad. I was like, this guy is so stressed out. You're fucking ridiculous. Two pills? Great. Why don't you just give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun to blow my fucking head off. Are we done here with this psychiatry bullshit? You know what? You what, can what the leave. fuck did I just put myself through? I'm fucking out of here. And what if that was a legitimate threat? Think about it, fucking hot shot. Ibuka, do you want to say your thoughts on, on The Departed? Uh, on The Departed? Okay, another one that didn't make my list. <laughs> but I like his performance in Departed, but it didn't make my list because there's that scene where he's really good. But I felt like Frank Nicholson outacted him. Jack Nicholson. So like Jack Nicholson. So I feel like these things, you know, I might have overthought my rankings with these little things. Isn't it the gun scene? Well, yes, the gun scene. I, I feel like Jack Nicholson was on a different I don't know if he outacted him. He was just so weird in that movie. Jack Nicholson when he does like rats. Bro, I was I was scared and I was sitting like in my bed on with my laptop and I was shook. Apparently Jack improvised some of that. Uh, bro. Yeah, I heard he wasn't supposed to have the gun. He's like, a lot of people died for me to get where I am. <laughs> that that I movie think, is... I think that scene is, that scene is beautiful because it's like they're playing tennis because Jack is like, oh, um, a lot of people died to get, to be, to be for me to be who I am. Do you want to be who I am? Then he's like, fuck no, I don't want to be who you are. <laughs> Jack says something back to him. He's like, "Okay, if you were the right, what would you do?" <laughs> it's like they're just playing off each other, yeah. like acting, yeah. acting, acting. He's, uh, like, yeah, yeah. Departed is my number three. Let me just say something mm -hmm. before I met Banky. The Departed would have been my number one. So what changed? I'll explain it when I get to my number one. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's my number three. Family was your number two. Oh, my number two is your number three, The Departed. Why don't you stay in the bar? That night I got your numbers. Is this, is this something that you just want to go ahead and ask me? Because I'll give you the fucking answer, all right? Frank, look at me. Look at me. I'm not the fucking rat, okay? I'm not the fucking rat. Start with you agree there is a rat. You said there is one, all right? I base most of what I do on the idea that you're pretty fucking good at what you do. That movie was, um, I, I just have memories of watching it. You're a Boston like boy, that. actually. Yeah, yeah. Was, you're a Boston boy. Just, <laughs> I'm in New York now, man. Fuck that. I've leveled up. <laughs> wow, they would not want to hear that. <laughs> hey, man, it's the truth, man. Isn't that like a big rivalry, Boston and New York? 
Let's see quality hard and all that nonsense. <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, I have like memories when I was younger, just watching that movie with my dad. And like, you know, it's one of these movies that like, I when I was younger, I I don't want to say I didn't understand it, but I didn't appreciate it as much. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. on the, one of these random whims, maybe like when I was like a freshman or something, I just watched that movie. And I was like, God damn, that movie was good. Like there was nothing wrong with it. There's another flawless performance. But the problem is that the movie is a mess. In what Boys, like it's a mess in terms like it's not. It's a beautiful mess. Like it's it's a perfect movie, but also a mess. Oh, okay, I see what like, you mean. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's not Goodfellas, right? It's not Casino. It's not like everything is curated. To, yeah. But it's meant to be an intentional mess. Like yeah, which is why Jack Nicholson's performance can be in the same movie as Matt Damon's performance. Yeah. Right. It's like. The, like Mark Wahlberg got an Oscar nomination for that performance, yeah. but which obviously leads. Sorry, go say what you want to say. You no, know, I was gonna say like, where would you put Leo in terms of like best um actor or supporting actor? Where would you put him on that? That's exactly. See what? I mean, you come on co-host more more times, but that's exactly what I was gonna say because Mark Damon, I'm sorry, Mark Wahlberg gets a best supporting actor nomination for that yeah. performance, and I mean, I think you could probably make the argument for best actor is difficult. I think. More to be more um, accessible will be best supporting actor. Now, yeah. the problem with The Departed is that it came out the same year as Blood Diamond in 06. And <laughs> DiCaprio decided to campaign more for Blood Diamond. So he got him yeah. for Blood Diamond because he didn't want yeah. to compete against Warburg and, and yeah. Damon. So let's just, first of all, let's just fuck off that Blood Diamond nomination. Whoa. Fuck all the way off. Like, Whoa, that was a good movie. If you say so. I don't, I don't what? think I mean, I can't even remember if I've even watched it or if I've rewatched it. Just fuck up to the side for now. When he's um, telling the story about his family, dude, I shed a tear, bro. If you I say shed so. a tear. Uh, that shit was real. Have, have you watched Blood Diamond? No, nah, I watched it once when I was a kid, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think I've, I don't, I'm, I'm not. I don't you need to watch anyway, it. I remember the scene so, where, where Jamon Hunsu's character finds a diamond, though. I remember uh, that. Did he have blood on it? <laughs> Roll credits. Um, let's ignore you that, please. So, so there are two. Okay, so. Obviously, supporting actor winner in that year is Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine, and the lead actor is Forrest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland. Fuck that! I have big problems. Like when I found out that he won an Oscar for that performance, I, I had big problems with it. So especially because one, yeah. I watched Last King of Scotland when I was a kid, and I watched it again as an adult. Yeah, I came away from it both times with the same conclusion, which is, and that is, if I was giving anyone an award from that film. It would have been James McAvoy, not, not Forrest Whitaker. Okay, so I think we're on consensus. Let's throw away Forrest Whitaker's Best Actor win. Mm-hmm. We take um, Leo as the Best Actor nominee. And then he wins it for Best Actor for The Departed. Okay. Leo Leo, Leo can thank us. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, so so Leo wins in 06 for The Departed. Which makes sense, because The Departed won fucking Best Picture and Best Director. Why, why wouldn't he have a Best Actor nomination? Oh my God, man. The Oscars can be so fucking weird. Anyway. Didn't Will Smith get nominated that year as well? Will Smith deserved it. I think the se- after for me it was DiCaprio for Blood Diamond, then yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, but this is not a Will Smith pod. That pod will happen. I, I will not be here. So, Ibuka, what's your number two? Oh, okay. My number two. I had. I feel like I have so many caveats, right? With my yeah, first I feel one like is you're I cheating. Seen. I feel like you're cheating. Listen, I haven't seen like, every yeah. I haven't seen every Leo film. Yeah, obviously. And then secondly is that like I had different lists because I didn't want to be partial, right? Okay. So like my number three was basically one of Leo's newest performances versus his oldest. And my second was between 
Shutter Island and Basketball Diaries. Or because I Basketball pick young... Diaries. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's it. Because deep... I picked Who is the girl that you're trying to impress? Wow. <laughs> Basketball Diaries. Uh... Wait, wait, wait. Okay, but you guys listen, because I picked what's it called? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. I went with old Leo. So you went basketball diaries. I'm gonna go diary. with basketball diaries for two. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is I'm gonna pick it over Shutter Island. I Wow, I thought I was wow. Like I thought I predicted what people yeah, were gonna that's, go. That's a hot take. Wow. That's a hot take. No, but ha- have you guys seen Basketball Diaries? Years ago. It's I like haven't. Blood that, that's, okay. That's also why I didn't pick Wolf of Wall Street, because when we're talking about drugs, I feel like, oh, that was Leo on like I feel like the drugs in Basketball Diaries were better than um, well, who for Wall Street? Interesting. Fair enough. I love Street as a film. I've only heard I'm, good things about Leo in basketball. I mean, when it came down to the ranking, I was like, I try to stay away from films like Inception, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street, Inception and Shutter Island because I feel Django Unchained too because I feel like sometimes the spectacle of the film, you know, can either distract you or make you not appreciate the acting performance. So I tried to go for one where Leo was really doing his thing so for example wolf of wall street is fun but i didn't leave the film really thinking it might just be the way i view acting performances and you know to the untrained eye because as far as this podcast is is concerned i'm the layman amongst these niggas so i so i just it's easy to sway me with you know, a little emotion yeah. a little realness go back and rewatch when last you watch wolf i don't think i've watched it in the last three years 2018 i yeah, if you can't, it obviously is a long movie, but if you can't get through it, just go back and rewatch Wolf. I just look at what Leo is doing. Anyway, um, Basketball Diaries, that was wow. I did not expect that. That's that. I like that. Thanks for keeping me on my toes. I, I, I feel like I want to say, if, I already said this for Gilbert Gray, but guys, go watch Basketball Diaries. It's short, it's quick, it's, I don't know, man, like, it's tragic. It leaves you with a. With a empty feeling in your chest. There's some movies that we haven't mentioned, which I'm very surprised about. Anyway, my number two, we've already spoken about it, which is obviously... Um, so you're saying he should have won the Oscar for, for Basketball Diaries. Wait, what What came out in yeah, the year of Basketball Diaries? See, the thing is, another thing on my list is like, I don't know Oscar winners. So like, I'm just saying these things and then Banky would tell me, oh, this was, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis for something. And I'll be like, okay, come. Maybe he shouldn't have won it. It came out in 95? I... So... That would have been, I believe, Mel Gibson. You know what? You're right. We can fucking take that for, for no, Braveheart. No, no. They do it for Braveheart. <laughs> it's not Mel Gibson. See? It's not Mel Gibson. Is, Is it not? 96? No, no, no. Mel Gibson wasn't that year. No, no. The movie came out in 95, but it might have been 96 Oscars. I don't know. It's Nicolas Cage, Living Las Vegas. Oh, Mel Gibson won Best Picture and Best Director. He didn't win Best Actor. Yeah, yeah. He didn't win Best Actor. Yeah. Okay, so is Leo winning it? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I, I feel like Nick Cage should have an Oscar because, like, yeah, I don't recognize his movies. <laughs> Nick Cage's career should have an Oscar, but you know what? Let's give it to Leo. We'll give, we'll give it to Leo for Basketball Diaries. I mean, it's not like this podcast has any relevance. Wow. Anyways, okay. So I've said on my number two. My number two is obviously Once Upon a Time. We've already spoken about that. I'm going to say my number one now. And eagle-eared listeners can figure out that my number one is obviously Wolf of Wall Street. Well, I think this is his best performance ever. Banky, what happened to you? <laughs> what do you mean? You, you're the you're the theater kid, bro. Like, <laughs> leave the 
leave the debauchery and and like <laughs> leave it to Obiora. <laughs> it's like they're just like they're just hidden debaucheries, debaucherous people. Just just hide it. <laughs> no, but no, like but I said, I said obviously, what's upon a time was my number one for most of this last week. Even after I rewatched Wolf, but like just thinking about that movie, man. Family Business said made some points earlier, but like I think Wolf is his best performance. I think it's probably his best movie with Martin Scorsese, which is obviously a big deal because that's Martin Scorsese. And he's in like every scene of the movie, I think, in basically every shot. Like, yeah. you don't go two minutes without seeing Leo in the movie. Like, that, the speech, obviously, anyone that's recently watched Wolf, the speech he gives before the Madden IPO is incredible. Which, <laughs> funny story, apparently there's a, I think what Scorsese said that on that day, Steven Spielberg was like on set, just visiting. And he essentially co-directed the scene. So basically, that scene was directed by Scorsese and Spielberg. So you listen to me and you listen well. Are you behind on your credit card bills? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. Is your landlord ready to evict you? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. Does your girlfriend think you're a fucking worthless loser? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. All you have to do today is pick up that phone and speak the words that I have taught you. And I will make you richer than the most powerful CEO in the United States of fucking America. I want you to go out there and I want you to ram Steve Madden's stock down your clients' throats Till they fucking choke on it. Yeah. Till they choke on it and they buy a hundred thousand shares. That's what I want you to do. Yeah. Yeah. You be ferocious. Yeah. You be relentless. Yeah. You be telephone fucking terrorist. Yeah. Now let's knock this motherfucker out of the park. Yeah. Like Fami said, he's, his drug use in this movie is incredible. He, Wolf of Wall Street is like the last... It's basically, you know, you guys obviously watch Goodfellas. You know the moment where the helicopter starts chasing him in Goodfellas. Like, mm. from there to the end of the movie, you know how hyped that movie is, how antic the movie that's how That's basically how we've watched it for the entire three hours. Like, this guy carries a three-hour movie in almost every scene. He's, like, from the moment, like, immediately after Matthew McConaughey's speech, he's turned to 11. He has to do so many things. Like, he's funny. I think this is the funniest he's ever been in, in like, in a movie, he's funny. Like he's he's has chemistry with everyone. Benthal, Jonah Hill, Rob Reiner, Margot Robbie. Like it's actually just like an incredible performance. And yeah, I think this is his best performance. And probably maybe even his best movie. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So no, my my number one is Wolf of Wall Street. And yeah, man, he should have won it in twenty thirteen for instead of Matthew McConaughey. I I love you, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, but I understand why they gave it to McConaughey, but no. No, guys, guys, no, that I cannot agree. That's another reason why I didn't pick Wolf of Wall Street because I don't know Oscar winners, but I know I'm not going to say another person deserved that Oscar over Instead Matthew of, McConaughey in uh, Dallas okay, Players Club. Say your thing, say your point. Did did Matthew McConaughey win for Interstellar, by the way? No, yeah, Dallas Players Club. So, no. no, 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 I'm just saying, like, did he have a second one? I don't think he was even on Why, why? Who won in the Interstellar? That's not, that's not what this podcast is about. Okay, we'll have another podcast about Matthew McConaughey. Yes. But yes, like, I love you here. I'm not, I, I, I loved Wolf of Wall Street, but 
yeah, I can't pick Leo's performance over Washi over. Why? Because Matthew McConaughey lost weight and he had AIDS. No, 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 Bankwale, don't do that, don't do that. That was an amazing performance. Matthew, I'm, being, I'm being very rude. I know. I'm. Uh, that's actually being very. First rude. of all, I can't. I can't even. I don't think I can bring myself to root against Matthew McConaughey. But like, even aside from my obvious bias, I just feel like Matthew McConaughey performed resonated with me more. That's than fair. Ufo I mean, Bush. again, like, it's like it's an individual list. You know what we could do? <laughs> so I think we've watched obviously his best movie, but if, just to give him an Oscar this year, we could take a lesser movie. In the Great Gatsby, put him in for best supporting actor. Then Jared Leto can fuck off back to his cabin with his Jesus Christ head. Because <laughs> Jared Leto, Jared, Jared Leto won for Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, so he he. Oh shit! They did yeah, a sweep. Yeah. yeah, they did actor and supporting. So Fair. we can give Leo the Oscar for Gatsby supporting actor. Then Leto fucks up. Nah, fucks see, up. because I will still put Jonah Hill for supporting over Leo and Gatsby. Yeah, but it's a Leopard. It's not a Jonah <laughs> that, Hill podcast. We can't disrespect Jonah Hill, though. Just to Jonah Hill was Leo. nominated, but we're just trying to... Yeah, he should have won it. Anyway, okay. So, Fabi, what's your number one? All right, my number one is because... I'm very intrigued. This director is one of the loves of my lives, and there's just one scene. Now, you lay your palms on the tabletop. If you lift your palms off that turtle shell tabletop... Mr. Bush is going to let loose both of those barrels on your head. They've been on lies around this dinner table. But that you can't believe. My number one is Django Unchained. Oh, that movie. Dr. Schultz, in Greenville, you yourself said that for the right nigga, you'd be willing to pay what some may consider is a ridiculous amount. To which me, myself, said, what is your definition of ridiculous? To which you said, $12,000. Now, considering y'all have ridden a whole lot of miles, went through a whole lot of trouble, and done spread a whole lot of bull to purchase this lovely lady right here, it would appear that Broomhilda is, in fact, the right nigger. And if y'all want to leave Candyland with Broomhilda, the price is $12,000. Oh, it's so good. I was surprised that nobody had mentioned Django. It is so, so good. It, it had to be the number one. But there's a problem with Django. What? What's the problem? That it's too good? It's too short? No. <laughs> Will Smith was supposed to be in it? Because I, I, again, I think... Again, rewatching Django, I was like, why is the movie so long? No, the problem with Django is that he doesn't get nominated. Yeah. Christoph Waltz gets nominated. Deserved. Supported. Deserved. And Christoph Waltz wins. Deserved. So what you're saying is that you're taking the win away from Christoph Waltz no, to Leo. I Bakole, this is not a Christoph Waltz. <laughs> <laughs> this is you see the problem. Bakule. This is why he didn't make my this is why he didn't make my talk. Oh, you're right. I actually never you thought see about the problem. that. That's the problem. But, but I understand that, but it changes nothing about my view of this conversation. They both should have. No, I think it. I think it's a fair argument to say, nah, let's give it to Leo instead of Christoph Waltz. No, it's not. Because it's not. It's not. Because the is great, but if you said you preferred Leo to Christoph, I won't argue with you because it's a toss up. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's a toss up. So, but this is why Django didn't make my my top three because I was like, I can't take this Oscar from Christoph Waltz. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, you guys had to think about all that. But then you can make the argument that Christoph Waltz only won the Oscar because he's the white savior. No. So like. Mm, I dare. Look, I'm trying to help you, fam. I'm, I'm no, not I believe you. I'm don't help, to help me. You. Attack me. That scene with um, are you are you positive or is it um, 
what, what's the word he used when he was yeah it was like are you positive like, I don't know what that means yeah exactly no 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 Christopher Walton is incredible in that movie so which is why um Django wasn't in my top. But like, talk about yeah. Leo in that movie, man. Yeah, when the um, first shot when he did the snap, snap zoom. Yeah, and he turned around smoking. So like, good. I rewatched it this week. So yeah. good. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Tarantino's writing in that movie, first of all, was just unbelievable. And when you have an actor like Leo DiCaprio to fucking deliver these lines with such killer intent, like the story mm-hmm. that I'm sure everyone knows is that scene with the layer palm flats on the you know on the tabletop, and when he rubs the blood on um Kerry Washington's face. I said, this nigga right here. You know, that was real blood. Cause no, wait, wait, wait. Kind of, uh, wait, wait, let's 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 actually address this. I do not think that was real blood. What do you think that was? No, 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 no. I think when he smashed his hand, he did smash his hand and, and cut himself. So that part, that scene is blood. Yeah. yeah. But when he puts his hand on Kerry Washington, I don't think that's real blood. That's a really different take. Didn't she say it? I mean, you guys can go and Google and confirm, but that's like, people, people will sue. Because again, it's not it's not one take, right? It's a different take. Yeah, yeah okay. I know, I know. They would have done a new setup. So I think the first time is real blood, but then other times they do oh, they okay. did like fake yeah. blood. Because I'm just thinking like, I, people will sue. Kerry still will sue. Like, Man, but I like, but you can, <laughs> but you can see the reaction. Nah, but um, but like when you watch that scene, her face yeah, looks yeah, like she's contemplating yeah. if that nigga has HIV. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but even when he smashes it, like you, you can see everybody's reaction. Like, oh shit, yeah. this blood, but he's still acting. You see, under the laws of Chickasaw County, Broomhilda here is my property. And I can choose to do with my property whatever I so desire. And if y'all think my price for this nigga here is too steep, what I'm gonna desire to do is... Then we can examine the three dimples inside Pamela's skull. Now, what's it gonna be, Doc? Huh? When Leo, like when let let me know when he dies. When they give me a lifetime achievement award at the Oscars, that scene will be on his reel. Yeah. Like they've been a lot around this around this dinner table. Like that will be on his on his reel because it's fucking incredible. Is he's so good in that and like. He doesn't appear in that movie to like the to the was like one oh one so like one hour one minute. Wow! So for the first hour he's doing that movie and then he just comes and it's just fucking incredible. It's like why do you want to get into Mandingo fighting? Just an incredible performance. Love it so much. Um, yeah. Ibuka, what's Is your it number? me? What's your number? Can I say that I'm annoyed? Thank you, Fami, by the way, because I'm annoyed that we did a Leo pod and like none of us even did a reaction. Like no one did the <laughs> Departed where he's like, how about a fucking What's that thing he says to Mark Wahlberg by the sea? It's like, how about fucking... Well, I don't think any of us is bold enough to do a Boston accent. And, and then the other I one... I got you, I got you, I got you. Was like... I can do it, I can do was it. Was Wolf of Wall Street. No one even did, I'm not fucking leaving. Or it's <laughs> like, oh yes, I'm sure it was so hard for you to pay him in cash. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, those golf course people. Oh, what a tragedy. <laughs> you didn't research the whole thing and deal with the fucking golf course people. Oh my God, you had to deal with the golf course people too. 
What a Greek tragedy, honey, oh my God. You probably had to pay them in cash with your hands. What a fucking burden. And actually do some work besides swiping my fucking credit card all day, huh? Because I can't keep track of your professions, honey. Because last month you were a wine connoisseur. Now you're an aspiring landscape architect. Let me get that right. No, fuck you. No, fucking dare. Throw that fucking water at me. Don't you fucking dare. Oh my God, oh. man. Uh. What a tragedy. <laughs> when he's like, when he's shimmying, and he's like, you, you should be happy that you have a husband that is this attractive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Nah. And, you know, I know we've moved past it, but once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah, that time where he's talking with the girl, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm as transfixed in that conversation as the girl. <laughs> like, when he stops talking, I, I literally, like, snap out of the trance. Outside of, with their books? Yes, like oh, with yeah. it, where like he's rocking his chair mm-hmm, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. But uh, my number one, my number one is, I don't know if it's recency bias, but like I said, before I met Banky, this would not have been my number one. But my number one is Catch Me If You Can. <gasps> oh, yeah. how is that recency bias? First of all, oh, you just watched it for the first time? So, yeah, so I recently watched it yeah, for the first time. That makes sense. Hello. Hi, are you deadheading? What? Are you my deadhead to Miami? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm your deadhead. Here you go. You're a little late, but the jump seat is open. You know, <laughs> it's been a while since I've done this. Which one's the jump seat again? <laughs> <laughs> Have a nice flight. Frank, Captain Oliver, John Larkin, the co-pilot, Fred Telly, flight engineer. Frank Taylor, Pan Am, thanks for giving me a lift, boys. Go ahead and take a seat, Frank. We're about to push. What kind of equipment you on? DC-8? Uh, 707. You turning around on the red eye? I'm, uh, I'm jumping puddles for the next few months trying to earn my keep running leapfrog for the weak and weary. <laughs> no shame in that. We all did it. So, the reason why I say before Banky, it wouldn't be my number one is because before Banky, my number one would probably be like Departed, Wolf of Wall Street, and maybe, you know, Shutter Island or something. Something where Leo is showing himself, where he's exaggerated, where he's, you know, yeah. acting, acting. But Catch Me If You Can't stuck with me because for every scene, every minute in Catch Me If You Can, I feel like you can see what Leo's character is feeling hmm. for the entire film. Like you can feel, like when he's, when obviously his parents go through their whatever and like when he decides to start scamming people, and like every, I just feel like every scene in that thing, every time I saw his face, I could feel his emotions, and they weren't purely black or white. You could mm-hmm, feel the mm-hmm. gray yeah. very, very strongly. I, I I just feel like he really, he really, really played that well. Like he plays the subtleties really, really good. Like he does the exaggerated shit, like Wolf of Wall Street and Django Unchained, mm-hmm. really well. But the subtleness of the Catch Me If You Can, yeah, that's another movie yeah. that's like that. He's in almost every scene for like twenty half hours. Yes. It's also, why don't people call Catch Me If You Can a Christmas film? That's my Christmas Do you know I had that exact same thought when I was rewatching it? I was like, what are you guys talking about? There are like five Christmases in this movie. Like, what? If, like this is a Christmas movie. What are you guys talking about? Yeah, um, that's a Christmas yeah, film. Oh, I'm glad. We, we got a Spielberg yeah, joint. We got like, Spielberg, Scorsese, Tarantino. Yeah, man. Yeah. Catch Me If You Can reminded me of something else, though. And it's like the thing I was saying where Leo does the same thing twice. Yeah, so like obviously we've got mm-hmm. the con man and the drugs yeah. thing in Wolf of Wall Street, but it's like in Catch Me If You Can, Leo was playing a dude playing 
another dude playing multiple <laughs> dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Tropic Thunder, let's go. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, man. No, like, I was pleasantly... Because when I watched Catch Me If You Can, in my head, I was just going to watch this because it's a fun film. Because one of my boys really mm. loves the film. I was like, I, I, oh, it's just going to be a fun film. But I was very, very surprised by the level of acting that that he did in that film. We'll obviously give him what the best actor nomination. Yeah, because, oh, shit, I didn't even explain to you guys why it was Banky who influenced it. Because Banky is one who's always talking about, you know, the subtle the subtleties of acting you know like he's doing so many great little things and then i'm like oh, nigga, what little things bro like he's just sitting there <laughs> and then now i have to look at their faces and you know how they're reacting to things so yeah do you know what this is a perfect this is actually a perfect choice because if we're giving him best actor in catch me if you can the person that won it that year yeah was adrian brody for the pianist oh now i have no problem with adrian brody he was great in Succession. We all like him. But the pianist is obviously <laughs> written by he who shall not be named. Directed by <laughs> So, fuck off the pianist and we give Leo the <laughs> yeah, win for talking about hands. the performance. Uh, sorry, oh, man. That performance was so good. I can't, I, I'm incapable of like separating it. Sorry to that, man. <laughs> I do not know him. <laughs> Can I speak about honorable mentions? One. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I want to talk about Inception, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like Inception didn't make my top three list. But I think, yeah. like you said, if you had a top five list, it would have, it might have made the top five list. Can I say my Inception? biggest reason is because... Actually, no, you... No, you didn't say No, because basically for me, Inception is like, it's a great movie, but I don't think yeah. it's a particularly great Leo performance. He's very good in it, but it's not like... Okay. It's not something that I was like, oh, Leo performance. I feel like somebody else could have done what Leo okay. did. But sorry, continue. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I think I agree with you with somebody else could have done what Leo mm-hmm. did. I think what made me think about Inception while I was thinking about this ranking was that Inception is a great film, great sci-fi thriller, blah, blah, blah. But what really is interesting to me is that I feel like every 30 minutes in that film, Leo adds another layer to his character. Mm. Like every 30 minutes, there's almost something new that he adds and he carries to the end of the film. So, like, he comes in, obviously, Dom Cobb, you know, rogue, mm-hmm. espionage guy. And then you find out he can't see his kids. Obviously, he has that sadness. Then he goes to his father-in-law and steals, like, an architecture student. But then you can see that he obviously cares for this girl and doesn't want her to get too deep into his world. And then you see that he he's reluctantly doing this plan because he thinks it's the only way he can see his kids. Then you find out he has some unresolved trauma with his wife. That's when he really starts like acting. When yeah. I mean, Mao yeah, gets into that, the that thing. comes into the script as well. But also, like everyone, Charlie Nolan as well. I think said for this, like Leo is a very collaborative actor. Like he, he doesn't just read the script and go. Like he wants to work with the director, the writer on the script. Like so, like he wants. So which explains what you're saying. Like he wants to know. Okay, this is the point where this layer comes out and everything. But hey, that's yeah. That's, yeah. Fami, any honorable mention? Yeah, the best Leo film. Not the best performance because the person had the best performance. Let's not say he shat on him, but he kind of shat on him. Is this Gangs? It's Gangs. That movie does not make sense. Oh. You think Gangs is his best best film? I have to think about it more, but that was the one movie I rewatched to like to refresh my memory. And yeah, yeah, that movie is is super. Can I say something? Yeah. I feel like I'm in for a treat for the next few weeks because. I have never watched a Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, dude, can I, can I say something? Can I say something? 
Same. Oh, what? Broccoli, you? Same. No, come Same. on. It's so interesting that like I have it. Oh. And you know what? Because you know what we're gonna do. What? We're gonna do a DDL month on this podcast. You okay. and I. Okay. So okay. probably during the summer. Yeah. Because we're gonna do a DDL month. I no no. But the problem is that he's retired. So I knew that he was not going anywhere. It wasn't as if more movies were going to come on the list. I knew I could watch whatever I wanted. <laughs> so that's good. That actually, Ebuka, you and I will do a DDL. We'll, put you on the, we'll do a okay, DDL good. month on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I haven't, I, haven't watched, I haven't watched Gangs. Okay, my honorable mention is... It was going to be The Aviator, blah, blah, blah. He's really good in Aviator. He's actually really good in Aviator. That's another movie where he's in almost every scene. It's almost three hours. He's, he's so fucking good in Aviator. But... Leo does this thing where he has a couple of years where he brings out like two movies, right? So I want to shout out two years. 2002, he brings out Catch Me If You Can, which obviously, we, like we said, he wins the Oscar for, lead actor. But he also brings out Gangs of New York, which is obviously a great movie, yeah, just on that. But then 2010, man, Shot Island and Inception. In the same year, his wife dies twice in the same year. Oh, shit, yeah. He did Do you remember like, the what? same performance. That's not the, the same, same performance, yeah. but the same, same concept, kind of. Not the same performance, but yeah. No, definitely not, definitely not the same performance, yeah. I think we basically covered all his movies. Family, do you want to give me a quick 10 minutes on J. Edgar? 10 minutes? Yeah, just, just talk about J. Edgar. Talk about why you love the movie. I know you love if, the movie. It's a great if movie. If you it's think I've seen that movie. <laughs> don't, do not see it. You must be day drunk. Forget about it. Just forget about it. That was one of, his, that was one of Leo's, like, duds. Oh, guys, can, we, can, I, also, can I, like, also bring up some... St- little talking points now that we're finished ranking i'm just gonna throw a question out there and it's like a yes or no answer is leo's best performance ahead of him or behind him okay i'll go first i'll go yes the performance is still ahead okay okay it's still in front of him just because uh, it's difficult to say that but he's not 50 leo is not 50 yeah okay so he still has time if he wants to act like i don't think this is the problem with nostalgia and recency bias, right? I don't think, like, a performance will come out that will be like, oh, that's Leo's performance ever. Fuck that. Forget what I said. His performance is still ahead of him. I don't, I'm not going to give any clarification. Okay. okay. Fami, what about you? Do I think his best performance is ahead of him? Yes. But it's, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I think it's when he's, like, in the um, De Niro you know, age. Where he, yeah. Exactly. He'll put out something, like, Something like uh, let me think of a De Niro recent performance. Irishman. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would even say that I would say Joe Pesci's performance in Irishman. Oh, that was the one I, I loved more. Interesting. Um, but yeah, something like that. It's weird because De Niro had like Raging Bull and Taxi Driver in his back, so like he can't really. He's by like 1995, his performance was was behind him <laughs> definitely because he had done two of the best of all time. Yeah. So like, I still think Leo has another gear to go. Like. Maybe finds one other director that just takes something out of him. You know my problem? When I was watching some of these films, and I rewatched like a few of them back, even though like last week was really, I di- couldn't watch as many as I wanted to. But I realized that it became easier for me to rate the performances where I didn't feel like Leo was Leo. That's why like almost all of my list was baby Leo, the young Leo. And then like, uh, so th- okay. th- it got me thinking that, will I now appreciate Leo more when I see him old and gray? I'm like, oh, this isn't the guy from Inception anymore. This is someone acting. Um, yeah, so like I said, we have everybody represented on this list. We have DiCaprio, we have Scorsese, DiCaprio, obviously. We have Scorsese, we have Spielberg, we have Tarantino. Like, <laughs> No. <laughs> don't. Oh, okay. my God. Um, 
guys, thank you for coming on and talking about Leo DiCaprio with me and sharing some thoughts on Don't Look Up. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Everyone that has listened. Like I said, from now till the end of March, when the Oscars air, we're going to talk about movies and movie stars and our favorite directors and all this bullshit. Because like I said earlier, it's movie season. And then maybe eventually we'll talk about Atlanta when that comes when that comes back. Oh my god, let's fucking go. Also, question, why are you doing a when you could do a Christian Bale? <laughs> what do you mean? How can you do Christian Bale? Like, Christian Bale best movies. He does have a movie coming out. Oh, so we're not talking about the greats, we're just talking about what's popular now. Huh? Yeah. We're whores yeah. for the limelight. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying wow. to stay relevant for me. This is a podcast. I need people to click on the episode. So now that succession is done, you're basically uh, you're trying to get that content. Yeah, I'm pouring it out for the content <laughs> machine, man. Uh, Watch out for the Christmas Stewart episode. It's coming. Hey, 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 hey. That's when I'll stop listening to Oh, Fami, it's coming. I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, I'm here. I <laughs> anyway, guys. Thank you for coming on. Listeners, thank you for listening to us. We're all back. We're back now. No worries, mate. Cheers, mate. Unlike, unlike Jordan Belfort, we are fucking leaving. <laughs> um, <laughs> as always, shout out to, obviously, my co-host, Abedra Fiatcho, my soon-to-be co-host, Ibuka Damani, and obviously our guest, Fami, he'll be back later in this run to talk about another favorite of mine. Shout out to you listeners, shout out to you guys for coming back and sticking with us. Shout out to our social producer, Shinedu Heji. Shout out to Leo fucking DiCaprio. The GOATs. Martin Scorsese. Steven Spielberg. Um, actually, we're going to talk about the Steven Spielberg movie next week, so I hope you guys come back for that. Okay, so for now, thank you guys. And please always take care of yourselves. And please don't forget to... Wear your mask. To do that. Share this podcast. Um, rate. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And yeah, join us next week when we'll be joined by Oscar winner and future Popcorn for Dinner co-host, Daniel Kalia. Bye, guys. That's like my favorite running joke. <laughs> <laughs> Exit stage left. Before before I go, I'm gonna give my three best lead performances, and they are they are Catch Me If You Can, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Wolf of Wall Street.